This is Parables of the Divorce CEO, where men have real and raw conversations about the pain, suffering, and loneliness of divorce. Welcome to this week's Parables of a Divorce CEO. I'm your host, Peter Avalon Northstar, the founder and creator of The Divorce CEO. And on this week's episode, starting a new business. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Parables of a Divorce CEO. This week is going to be another great episode, not as spicy, but uh, a little bit more practical. So we're going to go back onto script now. The past two episodes have been a little off script, but I hope you found value in it as well. But so today I want to talk about this notion of starting a new business. So 2015 was really the beginning of when I started my new business. So 2014, I had been working in the fitness industry. Uh, 2013, I've been working in the fitness industry. 2012, I had been kind of in between uh, fitness industry and doing the superintendent job. And then even before I came to Canada, I was in the fitness industry coaching. I was uh, teaching martial arts for many, many years. So that was kind of always my, uh, my go-to thing. That was my thing, the, the, the thing that I was really good at. And so 2005, 15, sorry saw the the birth of a new company that I created where uh, I had two avenues. One was that I did consulting. So uh, I did consulting for other small businesses in Toronto in the fitness industry. And the other the other side of that was that I was coaching men specifically on uh, meditation, fitness, health, lifestyle, uh, how to you know, move on after a breakup, start dating and so forth. So there was always this element of the fitness component, but also the, the coaching men. And so in 2015, as I started my business and I was starting to get traction and getting client, I was asked by a local company in Toronto to help them facilitate and basically get their gym up and running. And the first time I was asked this, I actually said no, because I was like, well, I, I want to do it in a different way. I want to do it through my own business. And this would be as a, it would still be as an independent contractor. So I would still be able to run it through my company, but there was a lot of um, similarities to what I was used to in the past of being an employee and stuff like this. And so for the first three meetings, I actually said no. And after the third meeting, they were, they, we've negotiated a salary and we negotiated a price for my work and my uh, helping them with this consulting uh, because this was also a consulting firm that was basically hired to headhunt new um, prospects for, for growing this company. And they had found me and they heard that I had good success in the past with this, so therefore they, they found me. And we had three conversations. I turned it down the first two times. And then the third time I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see what's going to happen. And so I said yes to working with this uh, local business here in Toronto. And uh, when I came into this role of looking at this company and looking at, you know, the whole, the front end, the back end, and all of that in terms of the company, it, it became fairly obvious to me that there's a couple of different holes that we had to fix fairly quickly because the company was leaking money out of basically everywhere. Uh, there was no real structure to how the money came into the company and there was no real system 
in place to track where the money was going after the money had come in. So there, the, the company was running on uh, board time in that sense because they weren't making money. And so one of the first things that we started implementing was the sales process, something that I had um, mastered and be, become really efficient or effect, effective in, uh, in, in my previous job, getting clients in and fixing the, the, the holes of a company. I've always had this talent of seeing where there are holes in, I would call it life, right? So where you as a human being are not reaching your full potential and there is a couple different steps that you might have to take to, you know, elevate your game. I've always had this, I would call it a gift. It's kind of a visionary foresight where you, where you can pull out talent of people and of companies. And this has been very profitable for me to have this gift. Now, I'm not taking you know, ownership. Well, I am taking ownership of the gift, but it was, it's something that I was born with. It is something that is innate in me. Uh, that I have this capacity to see where people are strong and where they could get more guidance so that they can become even better. And so in this company, I realized that one of the key elements was creating a community, right? So they were very community-based and yet they lacked some of the fundamental things to actually have this community in place and to grow the community, right? One thing is is being good at or be, uh, having good customer service. But the other thing is like, how do you grow a community more than, than just for 10 people, 30 people? Like how do, you, how do you scale it from, let's say 50 people to 100 people to 200 people to 500 people to 1,000 people and so forth. And so we started implementing different strategies to elevate their game in, I would say four, four areas where, where I could see that there was something really lacking. One was the front end. Their sales process was terrible. From the client walked in to the gym until the client had signed up for something, there is no clear process. So having a very specific process that basically guided the client from start to um, becoming a member. And then the second part is, okay, then when they are a member, then what? Right? Like what happens next? And then we started creating follow-up sequences to retain our clients because one of the challenges for any business is to, one is, is to get the new leads, but the other thing is to keep their clients and keep them happy and keep them satisfied, right? That's, that's always, um, it's, it's, it's the numbers game we play where it's like, okay, if I, if I lose clients out of the back end, I have to continue to have more and more leads come in. And that becomes very stressful over time. So one way to mitigate that is to make sure that your current clients are happy and staying where they are and then adding more people in. And then as you fill up, you start creating a waiting list so that you just, you know, when somebody leaves, there's a new spot that's open. That person can apply, go through the process. If they're fit, they come in and they can become a member. And so we started creating all these different um, funnels for clients to come in. We had the consultation, which was a 90-minute consultation where I went through the whole process of 
why they they should become a client or why there was the potential of us extending the offer for them to become a client and as we started building this process we became really like really effective at at uh, executing this and we became so good at this that it, within the first three months we grew the company's revenue by 40 percent which is it it might sound like a low number but when you come from a business that makes zero and has zero profit to all of a sudden increase the revenue by 40%. That's a massive jump. And all of a sudden, with that capital that we were gaining, we could now start investing to build the company even further. So we started the process of the front end, which was the sales. We had the second part, which was the consultation. And then we had the third part, which was the customer retention and satisfaction. And then the fourth part was to create and rebuild or expand on the community through various uh, social gatherings, so such as Christmas parties, birthday parties, um, different events on nutrition and uh, movement and other things. And so over the course of time that I was working there, we really managed to become very successful at utilizing this whole strategy. And so I had I started my own business and I got hired to be a consultant for this company to to basically help them grow their business and it was a great job it was a great gig, um, I I learned a ton in terms of how you can take a fairly unknown brand and make it grow and expand and then increase the numbers of it. Now within a company when you are a consultant there there always comes this challenge right and the challenge is always. You can only grow the business as far as the owner of the company is willing to do. So even though that I had great ideas and I had done a lot of research based on what the clientele were asking for of new classes, of new you know, initiatives, and I had met up with the, the leader and the, the, the head coach, of the personal training department and we had come up with an extremely well thought out plan to increase the options and opportunities for our clients. And we were pretty, pretty convinced that if we would implement this, we would not only increase our revenue even further, but we would actually be able to expand on the gym, meaning that we would over time be able to get a bigger space and be able to offer a lot more than we were currently. Because all of a sudden we could offer more classes, more time slots, we could then hire more staff, or we could allocate the, the staff that we already had and give them more work, right? So. Another part of my job was to make sure that the people that were already hired had work. So I had to make sure that there was enough leads coming in that would be converted into personal training or any other form of classes so that all the staff members also had, you know, food on their table. And if you've never done that in your life, if you've never taken care of other people in that capacity where you actually... You know, you go to bed at night and you think, shit, man, I have to make sure that by Friday next week, we need an additional 10000 or $20,000 so that we can pay the staff and we can make sure everybody has food on their table. If you haven't experienced that, trust me, it is a stressful process. 
right? That's the, that's the side of being an entrepreneur that most people don't even realize is out there. Because if you just have a traditional job, you just collect your paycheck. So you don't, you're not the one who's stressing. Your boss is the one who's stressing. Or the one who owns the company is the one that's stressing. It's always the one that owns the company that takes the most risk. And yet they're also the ones that are also getting the most heat from everybody, right? It's, 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 I guess it's no different than running a country or anything like that. It's always the person on top that gets the most heat and gets crucified all the time because they want to do better for their clients, their, their staff. And yet, and so they make decisions that their staff are unaware of. Right? There's a lot of decisions that I had to make that the staff were unaware of that was just between me and the owners. And yet when they were implemented, the staff was not, a, was not happy with it. So in a role like that, where it's a leadership role, where you lead other people and you basically financially are uh, responsible for them in some capacity, as an owner, you're full, full like you have the full responsibility. For me, it was kind of, I would say it was a half, um, half, well, I took full responsibility, but in essence, you know, like because I was a high contractor, it wasn't technically my responsibility, yet it was the role I was hired for. So you could say it was still my responsibility, but on paper, it, it was not. Um, and the reason I'm sharing that is because a lot of times when we are entrepreneurs, we struggle with all of the challenges that our staff members, they struggle with, right? We, we have to learn how to lead. We have to learn how to be efficient in communication and making sure that problems are taken care of as soon as they arise. But we also have to stand fast in our convictions and our beliefs about where we want to take the business, right? So I might have a specific idea that is connected with the, with the vision and the mission of the company's founder of where they want to take the business. And so that's my job. My job is to do what they're asking of me to expand on their vision and their mission so that the company can expand and evolve. And this is where the challenge often arises, where the staff members don't see the same vision. And they, because they don't run the company, they don't see the back end, they don't understand that part of, of running a company. And so they get upset if things change, if you move clients around, if you move classes around, and, and so forth, right? And so we, we were, were in, a, in a situation where me and the head of the personal training department, we had come up with this incredible strategy to actually improve our intake not just of clients but also how we could actually grow the company within the next five years and then we ran into the challenge and the challenge was that the the owner started freaking out like he started freaking out because he was afraid of the rate of the expansion, right? So I've been an entrepreneur for many years and it's, it's something that I have seen thousands of entrepreneurs and business owners struggle with. And I've been there myself. And this is why it is so important to have a coach, a mentor, a group of other businessmen that you can actually 
surround yourself with because you will run into a ceiling. It's like that with everything in life. Like you, uh, I, I like using the analogy of, of, you know, working out, right? So let's say that you are trying to do a max in deadlift and you're lifting off the bar and, you know, day by day you're getting stronger and then you decide, okay, I want to increase my one rep max, meaning the, the one maximum lift you can do in that session. So it has to be the absolute heaviest, you, heaviest you've ever lifted. And so you put, let's say, 300 or 305 or 10, you know, or you can even say 400, whatever the number, the number is, is not important, but it's as heavy as you can possibly lift. You might not be able to lift it that specific day, but as you continue to train your body and increase your strength and your capacity to lift, then at some point you will be able to lift it. Personal development as a business owner or as a leader is no different. We all have what I call um, a capacity of growth, right? So we all grow to an extent and then we reach a ceiling. It's very natural for humans, right? We hit that ceiling and then we stay in an area where fear starts setting in. And the reason it sets in is because the version you are today will have to die for you to become the version tomorrow. Let me repeat that. The version you are today has to die so that you can become the version tomorrow. What I mean about that is that the leader you are today in your company will not be able to take your company from, let's say you're making $250,000 a year and you wanna increase it to 500,000 a year or maybe even a million. That man who runs that company has to die in order for him to become the next version of himself that can handle the pressure and the fire and the heat that comes with, let's say, making half a million or a million dollars a year. There's no difference from growing your capacity as an individual, as a human, in areas of business, relationship, physical health, spiritual health, and then your capacity to increase your revenue. It's the same thing. There, we will all hit a ceiling. Like just this year, I've hit many ceilings. And this year, I've probably expanded more and made more money than I have ever done in the previous four years as an entrepreneur. And it all comes down to my ability to invest in myself and my willingness. Not, in my, not so much my ability, but actually my willingness to invest in myself. So I have also invested more in myself financially this year hiring mentors, coaches, and other people to help me grow myself as an individual. Because the, the reality is money is never the problem. You are the problem. You are the one that gets in the way of you seeing the possibilities and the potential that is right in front of you. This is why the, it's so challenging when you work with, with people that are so stubborn and are unwilling to take accountability and responsibility for their life and they go back into this victim mentality all the time because in victim mentality and victim state the only thing you can see is what is wrong you can only see what's wrong with everything oh you know the color of the walls are wrong oh my wife didn't do this for me that's wrong oh you know my socks are too small today or your shoes are wet or 
everything is just wrong or it's that person's fault that I don't make this amount of money. It's that person's fault that I'm not happy or right. So there's the projection of it. There's always that projection. And believe me, I have been a master. I'll say it again. I have been an absolute master of being a victim of my own life. And through sharing these stories in my, in my marriage, I hope that you will see that even though that, you know, the stories are, they're real and they've been hard, that even though that I've gone through all of this pain, all of this darkness in my life, and my marriage is just one part of that journey, you know, I can go even further back and there will be a lot more I could share. But like me in my marriage, I was the victim. It was always her fault. It was always her fault. I didn't, we didn't have enough sex. It was always her fault. We didn't connect enough. It was always her fault. We didn't do this. Her fault that. It was always this or that, right? I was a master of that. And, and the reason I was be, was because I grew up the way I did. However, it was also because I had the mindset that I did. And I was unwilling. And I'm going to say that again. I was unwilling to look myself in the mirror and accept the fact that I was a fucking liar. That my entire life was a fucking lie. And so for the, for the first, I would say, five, six years of our marriage, until I could see that we had issues in our marriage, I was the biggest hypocrite you could possibly fucking imagine. I was a liar. I sedated. I would drink. I would smoke weed. I would watch porn. I would blame my, my wife. I would blame her family. I would blame my family. I would literally blame the whole world. I would blame God. I would blame anybody I could instead of looking at the one person that was always there, which was me. So I do understand the notion of being a victim. But I also know that it's possible to get out of because I am living proof of that. I am living proof of that. There is no way in hell that I would be where I am today had I continued to believe that I was a victim. No way. And for the one that's, who are listening that know my background, all of you should know that I did not grow up in a luxurious um, neighborhood. I grew up with a single mother in what would be considered the projects anywhere else but in Denmark. And so that was my story, right? For many, many years, the victim story was my story. That was what I identified myself with. Until one day, I looked at myself and my marriage, and I was like, fuck, there has to be another way. This cannot continue. And so I started seeking. And I started learning. And I started hiring people that could help me sharpen my mind and help me get over these emotional traumas that I had experienced through my childhood as and as an adult and in my marriage. So when my, my boss at the time, he was like freaking out over this, I totally understood where he was coming from because I had been in that situation many times before, right? Like he was scared. He was petrified that we were taking his business and moving it further up 
and expanding it so that potentially he would become a millionaire. And so what did he do? He turned down the offer that we had created. He sabotaged the whole deal. He started drinking. He became very violent towards his family and he became hysterical towards his employees and acted like a complete lunatic at times. All because we had pushed him to the ceiling of his capacity at that moment. And he was unwilling to look at himself and acknowledge that he was the one that was sabotaging his life. And in order for him to move forward, that version of him had to die. And the fear of that expansion and that, that death, which is, by the way, a natural thing. It's natural to be scared. When this current version of you dies and you move to the next one that is a bigger version than you, it is normal to be scared. And yet most men run away from it. As soon as they feel the fear, they go back to what keeps them safe. And he did the same. Alcohol was his, his safety net. And so for, the, for that next year of 2016, the business was up and down. We were really, really pushing and it became a tug of war in many ways. I loved working there. I loved supporting the people. I loved growing the community. I loved making sure that everybody had a paycheck. And yet I just could not make him realize that he had to do something different. The one thing that made him see things differently was when the head of the personal training department, he quit. Now, I don't blame him for quitting. I get why he, he had to do that. He got an offer where he would be able to expand and evolve and do the things that he loved, and I totally support that. But the owner of the company lost one of his absolute most valuable assets and from there it was just downhill we tried as much as we could finding new uh trainers that could that could take over where the the head coach had, had left off and we did well for a period of time but it was it was an uphill battle battle every time and I got the owner to acknowledge that he needed help. So he did hire a coach and became part of a business kind of group that, that does a mastermind or like they, they try to help each other grow the business. I don't know to what extent it was because I didn't really see much change in that time that he was there. Now that is not the coach's fault. It doesn't have to be at least. Um, you know, we still have to do the work. The clients I work with, I give them tasks and I push them because I know that when I push them to hit their ceiling, that's when they're really going to expand and grow and take their companies to, you know, half a million, to a million, to two million and so forth. They can't do it from the current state they are. But they still have the free will of not doing the work. I can't do it for them. I had to look myself in the mirror back in, in 2015 and realized that my marriage was falling apart and I needed to do something different. 
And believe me, I tried. But again, you, there's only so much you can do when the other person is unwilling to do their part, right? So you, then it just becomes another fight. So the company continued in the format it was, tried my best, we hired new trainers, we did, we did okay. I wouldn't say we did as well as we did as when we were a full team that were, there were, that had really grown into becoming a family that would, that would do what was necessary to move the company forward. And we had a shared vision. A lot of the new people that were hired in didn't have the same shared vision. And it's hard when you don't have a shared vision to move a company in the same direction. So there's a lot of challenges for us. We moved into a lot of uncertainty. And as the founder and the owner continue to drift and sedate more, to drink more, to have more issues in his home life, it became obvious to me that as a business owner, if you cannot navigate running the company, taking the fire and the heat that the company is under, and then at the same time, manage your home life with your family, with your children, with your wife, you will fail, right? We call it the trifecta of insanity. It's when you have, if you're a business owner, when you are a business owner, you're, you're married and you have children. That's the trifecta of insanity because you're just constantly under heat and you're in, in a land of fire a lot of times. So learning how to navigate that, learning how to own it and create clarity in it and lead from it instead of drifting and sedating, it became obvious for me that that was one of the key elements that most businessmen struggle with, including myself at the time. I struggle with my marriage. And so I would overwork myself and I would spend more time at work instead of going home and dealing with the problems, having a good talk, asking for what I needed. Instead, I just worked more. And then when I came home, I would just pretend like everything was fine. And then just like my boss, I would, I would have a beer or I have, have some whiskey or whatever, or I would smoke some weed. And that became kind of the norm. But I realized that something had to change. I just didn't know how to change that. I didn't know how to change what I was seeing in the mirror of my boss and then myself. Like, what had to change? How would I even begin that process? And therefore, I started seeking. I started looking and I started asking people, help me find the answers. So bring out your pen and your journal and here are my questions for you today. Number one, where in your life have you noticed that when your marriage, your relationship is drifting, meaning that there is tension there, there is uncertainty, there is fighting. Have you noticed that your business is also drifting? That the same things that you're experiencing in your relationship is transferring over to your business. Number two, what is the cost in your business because of this? And number three, what can you do to find 
a way to make peace in your relationship and to put attention into your relationship so that your business will also grow and expand. And number four, if you're a single and divorced man and still not in a new relationship, how can you invest into yourself so that your company will will continue to expand and you will not just continue to hit a ceiling and then go back down and start drifting? That's all I got for you today. Love and light your way. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Parables of the Divorce CEO. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and please share it with someone who may find the content valuable. Join my coaching program at thedivorceceo.com slash coaching.